With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Are you tired of endlessly searching for work, applying for jobs, and never hearing back? Job openings vanishing into thin air? What if with just one connection, you could link with dozens of companies that are hiring? What if that connection was a locally owned business ready to help without charging a fee? Express Employment Professionals is your one connection. Go to ExpressPros.com. With endless opportunities, it's time to try something new in your job search. Let Express Employment Professionals help you. Start at ExpressPros.com. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is the best of the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Boom! What up, America? Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Today, coming to you from the uh, music city of Nashville, Tennessee. I'm going to be calling a game on uh, Facebook. I know. it's. Um, I might be the first ever game analyst to be wearing a hoodie. They're like, yeah, you can kind of wear whatever. I was like, whatever? They're like, yeah, whatever. Like, mm, how about a T-shirt and a hoodie? Like, we'll get back to you. So I'll let you know before the uh, uh, before the uh, <clears throat> show is over if I'll be in hoodie. In the meantime, a guy who will be in baseball cap this Sunday for the New York Giants has been the talk of the National Football League. You would think that Eli Manning is related to many of my radio and TV brethren with the way in which people have reacted to him being named the backup quarterback, or actually he's, he's taking some scout team reps with the New York Giants. Of course, yesterday the news broke during the show that Geno Smith, nothing says tanking like Geno Smith, Geno Smith would, would start for the Giants as the Giants want to see Geno Smith, really want to see Davis Webb, want to see their entire roster, 
and they went to Eli Manning and told him that he would not be finishing games. And Eli Manning's like, you know, thanks, but no thanks. My streak isn't about just starting. It's about trying to finish. That's the beauty of what I've done. I'll, I'll, I'll be the backup. And so that's led so many people, ah, you cannot treat Eli Manning this way. Here's Ben McAdoo, head coach of the Giants, on expounding on the Eli Manning situation. I understand the emotions. I understand the responses. Uh, it's been a tough couple of days, uh, but we, we feel we have to put our emotions uh, aside and uh, make, the best, uh, make the best decision for the New York football Giants. And uh, I'm at peace with the decision. Again, no, nobody says we're moving on from, uh, from anybody. But when you're going through a situation like this, this isn't, this isn't my first time going through it, like you said. You know, there's going to be emotions involved. There's going to be uh, outrage. And you have to stick, uh, stick to your decision and do what you feel is best for the organization. Remember, this is an organization that has only made the playoffs once since 2012. Okay, once. So once in the last five years, they've made the playoffs. Obviously, this year, they will not make the playoffs as well. And, and you look at it like they haven't made the playoffs. And I, we, we do have this in, we have this knee-jerk reaction, which we think, well, that means they're done with Eli. Like, that's not what they said, and that's not the reality of it. Now, we don't know if they could be done with Eli, but they won't know if they're done with Eli until they see Davis Webb. And they don't want to throw Davis Webb in there until they, they give, for whatever reason, like, you know, they, I feel like they feel compelled. You know, Geno can play some. Let's have an, give him an audition. Maybe we can trade Geno Smith and get something for him in the offseason or something. Or maybe he's good enough to be a viable backup. But this is about Davis Webb. This is about, okay, let's take the training wheels off and see if the kid can, can uh, prepare. And we can put him into the game. And, oh, yeah, by the way, it's about tanking. Like all of these, like my media brethren have lost their collective minds. Eli Manning's 36 years old. He has taken a savage beating. He gets rid of the ball super quick because his offensive line hasn't been good. His running game isn't good. They're not going to the playoffs. Like what is the point of continuing to throw Eli Manning out there? Because you saw him win two Super Bowls, because he handles himself the right way that, and and you I almost feel like people feel bad because they made fun of Eli Manning for so long for Eli Manning face or for not being as good as Peyton Manning. And now all of a sudden like, whoa, 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 wait, I know we made fun of him, but he's not as bad as we made fun of. How will they ever know if Davis Webb can play if they don't play him? How will they know what they have to do in the draft? I mean, look, I, I get the old school values of, People saying, we shouldn't live together before we get married. But you know what you should do before you get married? You should live together. I do several of the things that annoy the hell out of my wife. I don't know if you guys have noticed, but I do this thing where I scratch the roof of my mouth with my tongue. This, you probably, I, mean, I don't know if you can't hear it on radio, but music, have you, have you been able to see that to where I, I do, I will scratch the roof of my mouth with my tongue? Absolutely, I've seen it. And sometimes okay. you even just put your finger, finger up there. in there and yep. scratch the roof of my mouth. Yeah. My wife insists that I have allergies, which is a possibility. I don't like taking anything. Right? I don't like taking any sort of medicine. Maybe maybe I do have allergies. She's like, oh, you have allergies. You should take some out. I'm like, I don't want to take allergy medicine. I don't have allergies. When you scratch the roof of your mouth, I was like, that's because it itches. Why do you think it itches? I don't know. So I do that. Um, she says there's a noise I make when I chew. 
I also have a tendency to use any toothbrush that I find. That's weird. But why is that weird? Listen, we've had three kids. There's not a there's there's not an there's there's no bodily fluids that have not been exchanged between the two of us. Right, but and it's look, just I'd like unnecessary. To use, I'd, I'd like to use mine, but if I walk in, like, what's better? I mean, it's not like I don't wash the toothbrush off after using it. It's not like I just get get it all nastied up with plaque and then I just kind of leave it as is and then and then leave it wet for her. Like I I rinse it out thoroughly and I don't do it all the time. But it's not like that's the grossest thing on earth. I mean, I'm not grossed out by ABC gum. I'm not grossed. Out. But anyway, there are things that I do that are irritants towards my wife. Now, I don't think these things would have cost, uh, caused her to not marry me, but we did not live together. And we have been together now for 17 plus years of marriage. Um, I just, how are you going to know that Davis Webb is a viable quarterback unless you see him play in an NFL game? You see him prepare. Can he assimilate all the information that's being given to him? Can he? Can he? Can he do that? And if he can do that, and and oh yeah, but like people are freaking out. Hey, Matt Hasselbeck was a really good quarterback. His career was extended like six, seven years by being a quarterback whisper. Remember, he was Andrew Luck's backup, and then uh, what was it? Was it last year? The two years ago, he replaced Andrew Luck and came in and won a couple of games. This is actually kind of par for the course for veteran quarterbacks who want to stay in the league. You got to be willing to go like, hey, you're not the starter anymore. Well, that sucks. Well, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to like I'm a starter every day. Derek Carr talked about it earlier this year. He said when Matt Schaub got pulled, they named him starter. He didn't think he was better than Schaub. And Schaub said, I'm mad about it. But you know what? From this day forward, all I'm going to do is help you pre- prepare because that's what you've done for me. That's what you're supposed to do. So we act like this and we've never seen this before. The Knicks pulled Carmelo the last two years at the end of the season. The Yankees, uh, you know, got rid of Mark Teixeira and got rid of Alex Rodriguez to see what their young guys are going to do. This is what you do. And in the NBA, you play younger guys when you want to tank. You're not necessarily tanking. You're not trying to lose. You're not telling guys to trick it off their foot. But if you play younger, less experienced players, the likelihood that you win when other teams you're playing against are poised to try and make the playoffs becomes, uh, the likelihood becomes smaller. So I just, we, it's so interesting that that, and, and I'm not being critical of fans. Fans are supposed to be emotional. Fans have hitched their wagon to Eli's our guy. And the crazy thing is that many of the Giants fans that are blown away by the fact that Eli Manning is being pulled are the same guys who have said, man, Eli Manning, he turns the ball over a ton. Eli Manning, in the they don't even like Eli Manning, but they just don't like being told that their guy is no longer the guy. And Gino is going to be the guy until Davis Webb's the guy. This is how the business works. It's how the business works. I mean, I, you know, I, my first radio show, my first radio show, uh, national radio show that I did was uh, up at ESPN. It was with a guy named Chuck Wilson, who is still doing some radio, um, and some podcast stuff in Rhode Island. Chuck was Chuck was one of the longest tenured, if not the longest, like the original ESPN radio game night, which is on Sunday nights. It was a great show. I know it because during my year in between 
uh, playing at Notre Dame and Oklahoma State, I went to a junior college. I like helped coach and practice with the team. And a lot of times on Saturday nights, or yes, uh, on Saturdays I'd drive up, I'd watch my brother's team play at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo, then I'd swing back through Santa Barbara. And I had my, my high school girlfriend was a cheerleader at Santa Barbara, and we'd hang out there. And then on su- I'd hang out with her on Sunday. And then Sunday nights, I'd drive back and I would listen. And that's I, I had already been in love with sports radio, but I fell even greater love with sports radio. So back in 2002, uh, Chuck was basically assigned as my partner. And he had had a longtime uh, partner beforehand. And there were other radio hosts at the time who fought the new management in how they want to do it. And Chuck did not. I'm sure he didn't want to work at first with somebody who was young and really, really green and had a completely different way of looking at the world. And he probably didn't want to work for a boss that didn't appreciate his style of radio and said, like, no, no, I know you've done it for half of your half of your life, but I, this is a better way. But you know what he did? He did. He did the absolute best he could. Because all of us who have our own radio shows, at some point, somebody's going to go like, "Mm, somebody else might be better. Or you might need a partner. Or I might need you to do updates. What do you tell your kids? Like, life's not fair. That means fair. Or there might be actually a bigger plan in place. And how you handle it speaks to who you are and, and fans and frankly, media members not taking a breath and realizing that what's going on all throughout sports. Like the tanking thing is real. It worked for the Astros. It's working for the Sixers. It's going to work for other teams that do it. And you're like, well, I just, I like Eli Manning. And I think this is, he's handled himself well. Good. You know what? He's supposed to. Giving credit to Eli Manning for handling a benching the right way is like, you ever heard that Chris Rock thing about, about dad, about dudes like, yeah, I handle my business with my kids. Like you're supposed to. Don't ever say you're babysitting when you're watching your own kids and your wife goes out. Can't guys, I'm babysitting. You're not babysitting. You're parenting. You're not handling it. Well, you're being a professional. This is your job. And oh yeah, by the way, it's the Giants' job as well to look out for the future because the present isn't going anywhere. What is going to be what's going to be proved by keeping keep throwing Eli Manning out there? Nothing. Nothing. Guys are just so emotionally tied to people they grew up watching or cheering for. They maybe they feel bad. Eli got a bad rap, and now Eli's getting pulled. Like, whoa, I didn't want you to pull him. I didn't want you to fire him. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Last night, LeBron James was ejected for the first time in his NBA career. Here's LeBron in the injection. I think I'm one of the league leaders in points in the paint. I drive just as much as anybody. It's like almost they're trying to turn me into a jump shooter. I, I can't be a jump shooter. I'm not a jump shooter. You know, I watch games every single night, and I see jump shooters going to the line multiple double-digit times every night. And I'm not a jump shooter, and I get fouled just like everybody else do. So one time, going to the line one time, and, you know, three times or four times, that's, that's, not, that's not what it's about. Okay. <laughs> um, they they want to turn you into a jump shooter because everybody's playing you to drive. Like, look, 
LeBron James is not the only guy in the NBA that throws back his head or that holds his forehead every time he, he drives in there or that yells and throws up his arms. Um, James Harden draws a ton of fouls, usually leads the league in free, uh, in, in free throws attempted, and he throws up his arms. And so I guess you, you ask the question, you're like, wait, why does James Harden get more calls than LeBron James? Well, it's fair to say that LeBron is known for selling some calls, right? For acting like he got crushed. You, we've, we've gone back enough and seen, uh, and seen LeBron hold his forehead. You know, like you go in there, you miss a shot, you hold your forehead like you're looking for blood and there is no blood. Whether it's because he's a victim of super slow-mo and refs actually paying attention, whether it's because he's so pronounced in how he complains about it. Last night, he deserved to get suspended. I mean, to get suspended, to get kicked out, ejected, to get kicked out of the game. You know, he thought he got fouled. And if you watch the replay of the one that set him off, he didn't get fouled. And while running up the court, he goes and he gets way too close to an official. And then he, he obviously used a couple of the magic words and the guy had had enough. And he got ejected with just one technical, which you can, in fact, do. But you, you can't be the guy who's synonymous with throwing your head back, with holding your forehead, with, with laying on the ground a little extra, extra long, and you didn't actually get hit. I mean, this is boy who cried wolf stuff. How many times can we see a replay to which it did not look nearly as bad as LeBron sold it uh, with, without, without questioning the validity of any call? Of any call. Uh, Harden leads the league in in uh, free throw attempts. Then Giannis and DeCumpo, who uh, I believe leads the league in shots inside the paint. Anthony Davis, Dwight Howard. Dwight Howard gets hacked a lot, like hack. Uh, Damian Lillard's an interesting one because he shoots so many threes, but he also he only shoots threes or right at the right at the bucket. Demarcus Cousins, Przingis uh, shoots a ton of free throws, seven point two a game. But yeah, they they do want to turn him into a jump shooter. He does shoot post shots. He does shoot mid-range jump shots. Like let's not kid ourselves like LeBron James as opposed to Giannis who can Giannis who cannot shoot perimeter jump shots. He has no jumper at all. He'll take a couple, but he really can't shoot. Uh, I've never watched a game and thought, "Man, LeBron doesn't ever get a call." The, uh, the rules of basketball. Here's one of the things that people don't point out about Jordan versus LeBron. The rules have changed to which it's very offense-friendly rules, and he has the perfect build for those type of rules, right? Because now it's, he creates the contact. He goes down, plays downhill. It's called downhill basketball, where your momentum is all going down towards the basket, and you can't put a hand on him. You can't hand check him out on the floor to stop him. But because he's creating all that contact, he doesn't get as many calls. He plays bully ball, and nobody likes a bully. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app. Clay Helton, head coach of USC. They won their division of the Pac-12, getting ready for the Pac-12 championship game. He joins us here on the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Coach, how are you? Doing well. Thanks for having me, guys. Okay, so let's let me just get your perspective before we get to the rankings last night on your team. Your regular season is complete. How would you characterize your season? Um, you know, 
ten and two, being able to finish strong in November or second undefeated November uh, was very satisfying. Uh, you, you know, I, we put ourselves in position. You know, you really want to come in here undefeated or with one loss, but the reality is we have two losses and have our, our last opportunity to be able to put our best foot forward to put an exclamation on stamp on, on our season with eleven with an eleventh win. So, playing a really good Stanford team that's very hot in their own right right now should be a, a great game and one we're looking forward to. Uh, it's our first opportunity to, to have a chance to win it and win that Pac-12 title since 2008, and I know our kids are excited about it. How different is Stanford now from Stanford when you played them second game of the season? Um, very different, to be honest with you. You know, I think both teams have grown um, where we have grown our offensive skill and the maturity that has grown with us as a football team. You see how they've grown, especially defensively. I think they're playing wonderful football, especially the last seven games. You know, the the win over Washington and Notre Dame really stick out to me how well their defense played. Changed a, a couple things schematically that I think has helped their personnel. And then the addition of, of K.J. Costello down the stretch here. You, you can see Coach Shaw in his play calling now mixing in uh, both run and pass, where I thought he was um, leaned very heavily on Bryce Love uh, early in the season. He's doing a great job of mixing it up, and you saw K.J. throw for four touchdowns last week against Notre Dame in, in a very balanced uh, performance offensively. Look, your, your team has improved steadily. You've won your last four games, mm-hmm. uh, obviously coming off the, the Notre Dame loss. Um, and, but one of the reasons you played so well down the stretch is that your quarterback has turned the ball over less, right? Like he's cut down on some of those interceptions. Now, some of it was he's got a whole new group, mostly of, of wide receivers, completely different skill position. And it's also the first year to which he's been the starter the entire year. And, and, and you know, like, look, I'm a little bit of Deshaun Watson where you try to make some throws that maybe you shouldn't make because he feels like he has to make plays. When you watch film, how much has, is Sam playing that definitively better, or is it just a, a case of receivers and luck that le- led to the high interception numbers early in the year? No, I think you know early in the season, and I'm a played quarterback, quarterback coach by trade, so I, I've got a bias eye. He's my kid too, so I've got a little bias towards him. But when when I watch it um, as a coach, uh, I see a a group of receivers and skilled players that uh, you know coming into the season. I know we we would go through some growing pains as they grew up, and and hopefully we were getting some kids healthy, get a Stephen Mitchell healthy, get a Daniel Amortabebe healthy, and then all of a sudden about halfway through the season, we got healthy and our younger kids started playing really good. Tyler Vaughn's, Michael Pittman, getting Daniel Amortabebe back, and all of a sudden, you know what Sam had done last year up until all the way here I see him doing the exact same things but as we grew as a football team and matured as a football team numbers started getting better and now you look up and he's second in our league in passing efficiency which is a pretty darn good quarterback league Um, and he's doing a wonderful job he's cut down on the interceptions over the last eight games Uh, I think he's thrown a total of three um, and done done a wonderful job of leading our team and he does the most important stat to me he wins ball games (laughs) yeah no like like they couldn't have been couldn't but the the difference in him and Rosen, Rosen looks great and makes some great throws, and yet at the end of the end of the day, Sam's teams you find ways to win when Rosen, who I think talent wise everybody likes, and I know there's other issues at play there at UCLA, but you know they're five and six and they lose. I want to ask you quickly going back to last week against UCLA. 
Um, end of the first half. Like, look, he's in his only his second year as a starter. Mm-hmm. How do you how do you coach him when he makes an error in judgment the way he made at the end of the first half? And for people who don't remember the play, mm-hmm. he had just completed a twenty five yard pass to mm-hmm. Deontay Burnett. He got yep. ten seconds left. First down. Clock stops. Starts. So he snaps the ball. He runs him out. Makes a great play. But instead of getting out of bounds or throwing the ball away, so you kick a field goal to be up seventeen seven and go into the half uh, with a two score lead. He ends up getting tackled to UCLA five, like three seconds to go, and the clock runs out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can see look on his face like, you know, kind of a brain fart there. Yeah. How did you coach him in that moment? Well, we always talk situational football, and there's actually there was 14 seconds left on the clock. And, and as soon as he broke contain, I said, oh, no, because his competitive spirit, <laughs> his competitive fire, and it's the mark of all the great ones. They always feel like they can make the great play, and and that's what you love about Sam Darnold. I mean, his competitive spirit and competitive fire, um, it's one of the reasons that make him so great. But he is he is a work in progress. Um, that's what I love about him. As talented as he is, he's still got a very, very high ceiling. Um, he'll tell you he's not a finished product, and we learn each and every with each and every rep. And in that rep, being able to break contain and say, you know what, it's not there, I'm going to throw the ball away. Uh, I, I'm probably going to, coach will probably give me another down maybe before this field goal or I'll take the three points that's a learning lesson and you know that's my job as a, as a head coach is to teach situational football um, I put that responsibility on, on myself um, rather than the kid um, his job is to know assignments and to learn those situations um, you know when, when, we mess, when we mess one up like that I'd rather put the pressure more pressure on me than him that's the voice of Clay Helton, who's the head coach of the South Division champions of the Pac-12, USC, 8-1 and in league, 10-2 and overall, and you played only one non-Power 5 school the entire year. You look at the depth of teams on your schedule, and that has to be not like, look, we played, we play, everyone we played is a capable opponent every week in which we played them. Um, I mean, the, the only team that you avoided and it wasn't your fault that you would have wanted to play was Washington, right? I mean, other than that, you got everybody and you got Washington State on their, own, on their, on their field. I, I guess the, when you saw the rankings come out last night, what was your immediate reaction? Um, you know that we have another game to play, and we continue building our resume and trying to put our best foot forward. Um, you know, and and you look up at these conference games, championship games. I, I think they're going to mean a lot uh, to the committee. I mean, you got six to eight teams there that are all trying to build their best resume, uh, and there could be a lot of two lost champions. Um, so we just got to focus on our job, trying to go win a Pac-12 title put our best resume together, which I think is in a really, really talented football league that's got nine, nine bowl-eligible teams that plays in Notre Dame, plays at Texas, plays quality football teams on a week-to-week basis, and, and see how it pans out. I don't worry about things I can't control. The only thing I can control right now is on Friday night, and uh, that's what we're working towards. Has there been any discussion about Sam's future? No, I tell you what. What we what we promised ourselves uh, early in, in early in the year before we even got started with the season is we would only concern ourselves about our team and our team success. And then after the season, after trying to win a championship, you know that then we would sit down uh, as with the family, trying to get as much information as possible so he can make the best decision for for himself. You know, if, if the game's so hard to win games, especially at the college level, especially at this level, that if you don't put 
put all your heart and soul and your focus into each and every week just trying to win the game, you're not going to have to worry about what accolades or individual success happens. Just worry about the team success. And I credit the kid. He's lived in the moment. He's lived in the now. He, he doesn't even want to talk about what the future might hold. All he worries about is who are we playing on Saturday? What do I have to do to help our football team? And it's one of the reasons I love him to death. I mean, if, he's, he's if, a special kid. Yeah, Clay Helton, our, our guest, if you could create a perfect playoff scenario, what would it be? What, how, would, how would you uh, form a playoff bracket to which still makes the, the regular season mean as much as the regular season means now, but also creates more of a true championship format? Yeah, well, each year I think it's different, to be honest with you. Because like last year, you're like, don't have to be a conference yeah, champion, yeah. we're good here. Yeah, I think sometimes you look up there and you may be ranked one through four, and you're like, man, I like this four-team playoff. And then sometimes you're sitting here at number 10 going, man, I wish there was an eight-team playoff. Um, but, uh, you know, right right now, coaches are just responsible for winning games. Uh, and, again, we don't worry about the things that we can't control. We, we raise 18- to 21-year-old kids and, and uh, try to win conference championships and see if it's good enough to to get us in that playoff um all right well uh listen we wish you the best of luck in the pac-12 championship game it's been fun to watch your team play and appreciate you spending some time this year on fox sports radio thanks so much you take care all right that's uh, clay helton head coach of the men the men of troy be sure to catch live editions of the doug gottlieb show weekdays at 3 p.m eastern noon pacific on fox sports radio and the iHeartRadio app on monday the league the nfl submitted to players the final draft proposal that according to documents would contribute nearly 100 million dollars to causes considered important to african-american communities the NFL hopes that this effort will effectively end the peaceful yet controversial movement started by Colin Kaepernick when players refused to stand for the national anthem last season. This would be a huge win for the players, right? Like, hey, man, we've been we've been kneeling, we've been protesting because we want change to be made. But at some point, there has to be tangible change, and the only way there's tangible change to be made is if somebody puts some money towards something. Um, but here's the problem. Not all the players are in agreement with the proposal. Some of the players who actively protested since 2016 are displeased with the NFL's approach and plan to break from the players coalition, a group of roughly 40 players who negotiate with the league office over how its leaders have handled the negotiations. Malcolm Jenkins and Quan Bolden regarded the leaders of the coalition Miami Dolphins safety Michael Thomas and 49ers safety Eric Reed tweeted uh, Wednesday that they are withdrawing. Quote, the Players Coalition was supposed to be formed as a group that represents NFL athletes who have been silently protesting social injustices and racism. However, Malcolm and Anquan, that's Malcolm Jenkins and Anquan Bolden, can no longer speak on our behalf as we do not believe the coalition's belief are in the best interest of ours. The NFL's multifaceted offer earmarks $89 million over a seven-year period for both national and public and local projects. According to the documents, on the national level, owners this year would allocate $5 million, with their commitment growing annually, maxing out at $12 million per year for 2021 through 2023. At the local level, owners would put up two hundred fifty dollars annually, expecting players to match that amount, totaling $500,000 for each team. 
So um, here's here's been the problem with the protest is there was there was no plan. It was like, let's just protest. Like, okay, what do we, you know, what do we want? Isn't that the protest chant? What do we want? Freedom. When do we want it? Now. Or when do we want it? Injustice. When do we want it? Now. This is like the NFL players are marching like, what do we want? We don't know. When do we want it? Yesterday. How do we want it? My money. Where do we want it to be spent? No idea. Now, the number 100 million looks a little bit bigger than it actually is, right? I mean, it's a seven-year deal of at least $89 million. That's not $100 million. Like $100 million is $100 million. And keep in mind that the players have to donate locally. That's, that's where some of, the, some of that money comes from, which I'm sure is a sticking point. They're like, yo, the owners can donate, but I ain't donating. I mean, because players, it's like the guy who throws the party. Like, wait, I threw the party, now I got to throw in for the food? I threw the party. Yeah, but you didn't throw in for the food. Ah, it's my house. There's the cost. Like, that's not really the way it works. So this, this to me kind of signifies a lot of the issues with the players is it's a, it's a lot like, uh, this weekend is the, the, my, what's it called? The, my shoe, um, you know, my, my cleats, my cause, my cleats, my cause weekend. Everybody has a cause. This is one of those, like, I'm somebody that the the celebrations this year have been so bad, most of them, that it's kind of proven the point of the NFL. Right now, they're like, whatever you want to do, group celebrations, fine. And some of them, like people like Duck, Duck, Goose, people go crazy. The, the sack races, like the Kansas City Chiefs did sack races and then got beat. Like I would never do a touchdown celebration when, when I'm getting beaten. What's the point? Spike the football or hand it to the ref or put it in the, give it to the manager so that you, you, you can send it to your mom. But there's so many, there's such, like, you get overly creative or a lack of creativity or you're just too cheesy to which you're like, you know, I kind of liked it better when they just spiked the football and they got in trouble for too many hip thrusts. That, that's kind of the problem here with the NFL. Like the other NFL, you almost wish they would have had a hard line stance because at least the players were then united. We don't want a hard line stance. What do you want? We want social justice. We want justice for all. Like, okay, here's a bunch of money. Where do you want it to go? We have no idea. Wait, you're really going to give us money? Yeah. Yeah. How are you going to spend it? No idea. This has always been the issue with this is the issue with the players when it comes to contract negotiations. Like you ever 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 look at this thing, you're like, wait, why did the players if you look back to the last time they signed the collective bargaining agreement, they were less than a week away from NFL owners having to cancel preseason games and maybe two. If they had to cancel preseason games, that would have cost the owners a ton of money because those dates are blacked out by stadiums. And everybody loses massive money if they don't have the if if they're not playing. Now players would have lost their preseason checks as well, but the, the only way to make owners hurt is to hit them in the pocketbook, right? So instead of agreeing to terms early, or instead of holding out late, 
they held out and then stopped holding out and signed what many people believe to be an okay or even bad deal. But the the truth is the owners have the money and you don't. So at some point you got to go to work if you want to make that money. But uh, the reason that they can't ever get what they want, the, you know, the, the top level players want the cap to be bigger, want bigger guaranteed contracts. Whereas most of the rank and file, most of the guys who vote are making a couple of hundred grand a year and they just want to find ways to elongate their career. And you heard Michael Bennett talking about quarterbacks making too much money, but quarterbacks actually make the league. So they make a bunch of money and quarterbacks want all these protectants so they can play and not get hurt. On the other hand, in order to be protected, you have to have offensive linemen practice more. And offensive linemen are like, dude, my career is short enough, short enough as it is. Let's cut down the practice time. That's why the first month of the season is so bad. They haven't practiced together, haven't played together. But, but players, you have no middle class. You got rich players and low income rank and file guys, nobody in between. And those two sets of players can't get along. You have all these different players with all these different causes. They can't really get along. That's why they haven't just, you know, just one weekend, you can wear whatever shoes you want. And then with this deal, you have so many woke NFL players that want to do something to help the injustices of our society. And when pressed because they have the opportunity to get about $90 million, they're like, yeah, we have no idea exactly what we want to do. We'll have to meet on that. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app. He is a uh, host on Sirius XM NBA Radio. You should listen to him because he's got a ton of knowledge in regards to how, why, and what's going on inside the association. He's David Griffin, formerly of the Cleveland Cavaliers, their general manager. He joins us on the Doug Gottlieb Show. David, how are you? Doug, doing really well. Thanks for having me on. Um, I, I wanted to ask you, you know, you, uh, you discussed um, on your radio show, and it's been picked up nationally, on how ultimately the trade of Kyrie Irving to the Celtics won't be viewed as a good trade for Cleveland because Kyrie's really, really good. And the likelihood is that, you know, an Isaiah Thomas coming off of injury, maybe even the, the, the top draft pick for the Nets, like there's a, a lot of unknown, and we know that Kyrie is going to play well and, and, and be the focal point, at least at some point, for the Celtics offense. I, I guess my question is, dialing back even further, like when did, these, when did the feelings of unhappiness professionally for Kyrie first kind of rear its, rear its head when you were there? Yeah, so first first of all, just to address the, the first part, when I when I was asked the question, Frank Isola actually asked me the question on his show with Scalabrini, and when they asked me, they said, do you think it will be historically viewed as a good trade for Cleveland? And I don't think it will be historically viewed as a good trade for Cleveland, because even if they were to win a championship, even if Isaiah and Crowder are the perfect fit in the short term, unless that... Brooklyn pick turns out to be unbelievably good. The likelihood is that because Kyrie's 25 years of age and is special, talented, they're going to continue to hear about how we can't believe you traded Kyrie. And so historically, if the kid plays another 10 years, everyone's going to talk about what a great deal Boston got. That doesn't mean that if you were playing the cards Kobe Altman and his staff had, you wouldn't have done exactly what they did. Right. Because they checked an awful lot of boxes in that deal. So the point I was making or attempting to make, and obviously did poorly, was 
it's the length of time Kyrie's going to be special that's going to make the historical bent look bad. It's not the trade itself. Um, yeah, well, but, I think it's kind of similar. Griffith, isn't it kind of similar to you know people uh, want? Well, wait a second. You traded, you know, the number one, your number one pick to get Kevin Love to Minnesota, and now. Uh, and now you you look what's happened up in Minnesota in terms of like point you're like whoa 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 wait, wait. you don't remember that at the time like we got LeBron James and we want to win an NBA championship and so you're not going to win an NBA championship with a 19 year old wing as opposed to we needed a versatile power forward who could guard who could rebound who could wouldn't 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 need to be an alpha with the basketball and and that's why we made that move right isn't there some similarities to that trade? Oh, I see a lot of similarities, and I think it's uh, a good point by you. I, I think, again, the Wiggins trade is going to be viewed as one for years and years where people will say, God, we can't believe Griff traded Andrew Wiggins for Kevin Love. Well, that's because Wiggins can play five, seven, ten more years than Kevin. But when the subset of, of criteria that you're using is, we must win a championship within the window we have LeBron James, and he signed a one-year deal, you, you play the cards you have to play. You don't look at it in terms of, geez, how is this going to be viewed historically? You look at it as, we have a chance to win a championship, and we need to capitalize. Um, there, you know, when, when you were fired by, when your contract wasn't renewed by Cleveland, uh, LeBron put out a really, really nice tweet, uh, uh, you know, uh, in regards to his time with you. Um, but I, I guess, you know, my question is always, like, couldn't he? Couldn't he do the Jimmy Chitwood? Couldn't he have said, you know, I I stay, Griff stays, I stay, Griff goes, I go? Like, is that <laughs> is that too much to ask? Well, I'm really grateful he didn't put me in that position because when when we put out that it was a mutual parting, that was absolutely true. So there wasn't a whole lot that could have been done to keep me there, and there wasn't much I'd have done to make Dan want to keep me there. So when you're not lockstep together on the vision of the future the most important thing you can do is, is to separate and, and do what's right for the franchise. And Dan has every right to want to do what he wants to do the way he wants to do it. And in my particular situation, it just was obvious we weren't the right fit for each other. So I feel incredibly blessed that there was no pressure brought to bear on Dan to do something that maybe he wouldn't have ultimately been comfortable with, because I've seen this said many times, and it's true. If ownership, front office, and head coach are not on the same page, you're, you're doomed to fail. And I think in this particular situation, it was a blessing for everybody involved. It, it's, it's honestly, it's no different than in, in college sports. You know, it's like one of the things Tennessee's still looking for a football coach. Why? Because the AD, the president, the boosters, the, the important donors are not all lockstep. And until you, you, you are not going, it's, it doesn't mean you're not going to win. It makes it prohibitively more difficult to win when everybody's not pulling in the same direction. Fair comparison? Yeah, I think it's very fair, but I, I think what makes it even more convoluted in the situation at a university is who knows which donor thinks they should be the loudest voice. Right. And they can continue to try to be the loudest voice and give more here and there, and you, you never really know who you need to be beholden to as a as a chancellor and an athletic director. It's a really complicated situation, I would think, running a major university like that. Um I'm watching LeBron, and he does appear to be more efficient. Uh, he complained about not getting calls last night, which I think all of America rolled their eyes, although he's only 20th in free throw attempts. Um, it, it feels, though, that, that he like his game has been fine. Some of his defensive movements not great. It's the, it's the rest of the team. What do you think of their overall roster compilation as they've been dealing with injured players 
and new players and trying to fit them in, and only now has it started to hit where they're winning games? Well, it's, it's funny that it finally came out that LeBron isn't getting to the free throw line that much. Last year, at one point during the year, we made the league aware of the fact in, in the, the way that we can, which is through the league channels, they enable you to utilize a system to question officiating. And we used that in-house system and tried to explain that LeBron is, at that time that we sent it in, I wanted to say he was 24th in free throw attempts, but he was number one in drives to the rim. Uh, which is, it's impossible to be that. So I think in fairness to LeBron, he doesn't get a terribly favorable whistle from a foul standpoint. He, he may get some other beneficial things, and on the defensive end maybe he gets away with some things, but I think he does get hit an enormous amount of the time, and things are not called. Uh, so I, I think that's part of the issue. Relative to the Cavaliers team as a whole, I, I think Kobe Altman and his guys did a great job of putting enough depth there and ironically, because Derrick Rose has been hurt, they're, they're almost benefiting from that because it forced them to go away from a lineup of Rose, Wade, and LeBron that may not have fit together very well. Wade's now running point guard with that second unit, and they can continue to space shooters around the floor and do what that whole roster was really put together, which is play in space and pace and bang threes on you. So they were being asked to do things they weren't terribly comfortable with early, and I, I think because there's fewer mouths to feed, it was easier to integrate the bench, and Ty Lue and his staff ended up with perfect rotations right now, and that's a huge part of why they're winning. All right, I want to ask you about Lonzo Ball. Obviously, you know, part of being a GM is player evaluation, but you're not simply evaluating a player. You're evaluating all the other factors, including how old he is, how much time he's spent on the NBA floor. Here's a guy who's never played pick and roll. He's never really played solid defense. He's learning um, how much cause for concern is there from your perspective as a former general manager and a paid professional evaluator as to Lonzo Ball's first year with the Lakers. I don't have a great deal of concern at the moment because point guard, as you know better than anybody, Doug, is the hardest position to learn um, to play as you go through the levels and as you raise your level, figuring out how your role is going to fit within that's much more difficult for a point guard than anything else. So I think you have to be more patient with players that play that position just as a baseline. And then you add to it, this kid was hailed as the savior of one of the most important franchises in our league, and he's playing at home under the scrutiny that comes from having that plus a father who brings additional scrutiny to the situation. I think if you look at his overall numbers, minus the shooting component, I think he's been everything you should have expected him to be. He's, he's just a kid whose body hasn't even matured yet, and he's trying to figure that part out, let alone everything else he has to deal with. So for me, I don't see signs that make me concerned what what I see is a situation that's going to be very, very difficult for him to ignore the noise in and really just focus on his game. I know you gotta run, but I gotta ask you one more. Embiid or Simmons, if you had to bet on one being a superstar longer, who would it be? Well I think just Simmons because I have more faith in the health situation. Uh, if you guaranteed me Joel would be healthy forever, I would say Joel. Um, because what he does is frankly, I think, revolutionary for the big man position. I, I, I think what he's capable of has never really even been seen on an NBA floor before if he's completely healthy. Um, I mean, you have to go back to the days of, of Wilt Chamberlain in terms of the dominance a guy could have on both ends of the court relative to his, his peers. 
But again, putting that all together for the long haul and staying healthy long enough to show it is, is difficult. Here I'm on uh, Sirius XM NBA Radio, David Griffin. Griff, anytime you want to just talk ball, let us know, and uh, the floor is yours. Thanks so much for, for joining us here on Fox Sports Radio. Thanks, Doug. I really enjoyed it. Uh, pleasure is mine. David Griffin joining us, former Cavs general manager. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare zumo play is your destination for endless entertainment with a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels movies and full tv series you'll easily find something to watch right away and the best part it's all free love music get lost in the 90s with iheart 90s dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iheart radio music channels no logins no signups no accounts no hassle so what are you waiting for start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and google play stores today all you can stream with zumo play Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 